Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 well can we call it the wuhan virus now remember when it all started back in february 2020 it was the china virus for a little bit and then it was also the wuhan virus then the Democrats and the media decided that it was racist uh, to refer to COVID-19 as either one of those things, even though when they made comparisons to the Spanish flu in 1918 at the time, nobody thought calling it the Spanish flu was racist. Then it developed into being a sign that you were a crazed conspiracy theorist if you thought that COVID-19 actually originated in a lab someplace in, a, in someplace called Wuhan. And when President Trump was asked about it at a news conference back on May 1st, 2020, just about a year ago, uh, he said he had seen evidence that the virus came out of the lab. And he was, of course, trashed by the media and called a racist. Uh, Dr. Fauci said he didn't think it was possible that it came from humans and it was an accident. He was selling the it came from a bat theory. Well, things seem to be changing a little bit. Um, it's all over the media today. More and more people are taking the idea uh, seriously that COVID-19 started in a lab in Wuhan. And even Dr. Fauci is now saying that he wouldn't rule out the possibility, even though just a few months ago he did rule it out. Of course, he was uh, ruling it out a year ago, too. E even the Washington Post is starting to retract stories that it did about this. So do you find it? Uh, at least a little bit interesting that just as we seem to be coming out of this insanity, uh, people in government and even in the media are are now not laughing at the idea that it came from a lab in Wuhan. And there are plenty of people, by the way, in government who um, who are now suggesting that that it may not have been an accident. Uh, is it possible that they've known all along and they're saying it out loud now, by the way? So is it possible that they've known all along that there was a good possibility it did not come from a bat and that they thought it was, you know, not a good idea to have the world believe that the Chinese were responsible for a worldwide plague? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be surprised if we found out, find out that uh, not only was the product of work in a lab in Wuhan that escaped, but also it was released upon the world on purpose. And I also won't be surprised if I hear that Dr. Fauci has known pretty much all along that this was the case. But that's just me. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so don't listen to me. Anyway, when we come back, we, uh, we're going to uh, talk to a state rep uh, about the, the story we had here last week about Pitt buying baby parts from Planned Parenthood and using them for fetal research. And in our second half hour, we're going to go down the list of stupid reactions to COVID-19 by the government that we're going to be feeling the effects of for a long time. Stick around. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. That offer's valid through 63021. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsoruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. Through generations of fighting, anger, and pain, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is still one of the most contentious and misunderstood issues of our time. Raising the question, is it possible to truly love your enemy? 
In the new film, Hope in the Holy Land, filmmaker Todd Moorhead discovers the truth behind the headlines and misinformation with personal stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians in their own words, offering a beautifully produced, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides of the conflict. Bishop Kenneth Ulmer says the movie is embarrassingly enlightening. Ambassador Michael Oren calls it a candid, courageous journey through the complexities of the conflict. Hope in the Holy Land takes an honest look at the history and history in the making as you've never seen before. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. Do this. Don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. Stay home. Don't go out with friends. How many times have you heard something like that recently? Like most people, you're probably pretty tired of feeling like things are out of your control. Life isn't about controlling everything. It's about controlling what you can. It's not a long list, but it sure is empowering. And one of the things on that list, your retirement. Don't spend your time worrying about what you can't control. Instead, focus on what you can. Your retirement is in your hands. Start planning for it today. Call Beth Andrews and the NetWorth Advisors team to set up a phone or video meeting to begin building for the future you want to live. 800-426-1428. If you already have a plan, call to take advantage of their complimentary second opinion service. Help take control of your future. Call Beth Andrews at NetWorth Advisors. 800-426-1428. That's 800-426-1428. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. 2021 is the perfect time to add a healthy new habit to your daily wellness routine. Good nasal hygiene. We all know there's bad stuff in the air, allergens, bacteria, viruses, and that some of it's very dangerous. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can clean your nose with Navage. Your nose is the body's air filter, and with Navage, you help your body defend itself by flushing out the crud and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navage, the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it has over 40,000 online reviews averaging 4.7 stars. Join millions of Navage users to relieve congestion and allergies, breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Let 2021 be the year you start cleaning your nose with Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Navage. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Last week, we told you about a report from the Center for Medical Progress that uh, claims Pitt has been buying baby parts from Planned Parenthood to use for research. Pitt's denied that, says it doesn't use any money from the state to fund fetal research. Uh, Eric Nelson is a PA state representative for the 57th District in Westmoreland County. He's also a member of the Pro-Life Caucus, and he joins us now. Eric, thanks for coming on the show again. appreciate it. Hey, great. Thanks for having me, John. So uh, what do you make of the reports that Pitt buys baby parts from Planned Parenthood? Well, you know, it is um, an extremely uncomfortable subject, both on an ethical level um, and even going down a little bit deeper. You know, I know that the health committee has a hearing that I attended would have been about two and a half weeks ago that both aired testimony from each side of the issue where Pitt had a chance to be able to testify as well as people making allegations about some of this fetal tissue in research. Um, and that, that uh, I don't remember that story getting a lot of coverage when you got, this was a hearings you had a couple of weeks ago. Yes. You that, know, it's, it's interesting much- in, in today's press, what seems to receive a lot of coverage and, and other issues that don't seem to receive as much yeah. coverage. But, um, yes, these were public hearings with testimony from people on both sides of the issue. And, and um, you know, it, it really raises some disturbing ethical questions. Um, Pitt disputes some of the testimony that has been levied against it from Mr. Delayden. They don't necessarily dispute the fetal tissue research. They dispute some cell sub-elements of the process of that research, if that makes sense. Well, I, um, I last week when I had the story on, I guess it was Friday, um, uh, I had a statement from Kevin Zwick, who's a uh, spokesman for the University of Pittsburgh, and I'll read his statement for you. 
Uh, researchers at Pitt and other leading medical research institutions use fetal tissue in certain instances because it has proven to be an important method for combating and curing some of our most devastating diseases, including ALS, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's uh, disease, spinal cord injury, and others. David DeLeden has been repeatedly discredited, ordered to pay millions of dollars after being found liable for breaking multiple state and federal laws and is now facing felony charges in criminal court. This video is false. The university does not obtain fetal tissue from Planned Parenthood, does not use any of its state appropriation to fund fetal tissue research, and follows all laws and regulations governing fetal tissue research. So there you go. Yes, and, and you know, it's, it's difficult because if you listen to what they're saying, they may dispute some of the allegations that Mr. Delyden is levying against them, but they don't dispute the research itself. They may, it might be that it is the FDA that has been paying, I mean, there's, there's an unquestioned financial component, and I think freedom of information requests have confirmed it was Judicial Watch, at least as I understand it, that has determined that it might be the federal government that is actually paying for the parts themselves. Pitt's involvement has really gone back, Pitt's involvement in fetal tissue research has gone back a number of years. I remember you know, having very difficult questions with the research that they were associated with in Italy, where they actually left the country to be able to avoid what I feel is the, you know, a much stronger IRB process in the United States, and were harvesting the livers of aborted babies in Italy, um, from which a peer review article, you know, from the perspective of a pit, and pit researchers, they their claim is that they are following the National Institute of Health guidelines. Um, they don't dispute that this research is happening. They're saying that they're not recruiting the mothers. There's not an incentive for the mothers. Um, they're trying to do something good out of what would other be otherwise be something bad. It's, I mean, it's the more you learn, the more uncomfortable it gets. Yeah, um, and is if state money has been used to buy baby parts, is that just an ethical issue or is it a legal issue? Well, and it it raises the question of where I. You know, PID has, and we placed an amendment because they receive $154 million in a non-appropriated, it's a non-preferred allocation. So it's a, a specific line item that goes directly to PIT. And PIT, you know, there's been language and amendments inserted, and PIT has said none of the money, Pennsylvania taxpayer money, that they receive goes to this type of research. I think the question is the larger ethical element of if you're, you know, are we reaching a point where maybe Pitt is not truly representing the regions and the counties within southwestern Pennsylvania um, that is providing these taxpayer funding? You know, I, there's, you know, Pitt has been adamant that that $154 million does not go to fetal tissue research. They have other monies that they spend on that. But the bigger question is, is this an appropriate pathway for Pennsylvania tax dollars, or should we maybe look at alternate pathways which would maybe directly fund all students that might be seeking a post-secondary education, not just exclusive monies going to Pitt students. You know, there's CMU, there's Seton Hill, there's St. Vincent's, there's IUP. There are community college and trade schools where a lot of Pennsylvania citizens that are not engaged in abortion-related research are looking to attend universities. So I, I think there's a broader policy context, um, and there's a very difficult... Uh, you know, we came out of that health committee hearing with a lot of questions that were unanswered by Pitt. And, you know, specifically, they were asked about the details of the process. And the gentleman, you know, very smart, extremely talented individual who represented Pitt, but he was also very new and not familiar with the fetal tissue research components. So, 
he was unable to answer what is the form that mothers complete when they're authorizing the use of their aborted baby for research. You know, the, if we, if these babies didn't come from Planned Parenthood, what is the source of the babies? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also a lot of questions. McGee Hospital is one of the larger abortion providers in our region, that over 500 plus abortions, you know, and, and a large majority of those are second trimester abortions, which, you know, fall into this category where that young baby has larger organs, which carry recognized price tags, individual price tags. That And that, again, that goes back to the... Um, you know, what the FDA publicly says they're paying both for a box of baby parts and for individual baby parts. And, and this has been going on a long time. Well, the, I mean, Pitt is getting baby parts. Uh, and somebody, they're not getting them for free, right? And I and- would not imagine that they would receive them for free. But we don't know who they're getting them from, what or who is paying for them and even how many babies were involved in this research. You know, at, at one point I was, I was particularly struck during the hearing when our, you know, the chairman of the health committee, chairwoman, um, Pitt's representative said that it was inaccurate that about that white rats were used for this research. And she said, what is inaccurate? And I'm paraphrasing, you know, Um, she said, what is inaccurate about that statement? And he said, they were white mice. Literally, that's what what he said. Well, this is what um, uh, the the, uh, piece from uh, Center for Medical Progress uh, said, what looks like, this is what looks like an illegal quid pro quo for fetal body parts, forbidden by 42 U.S. Code 289G-2 and 18 Pennsylvania Statutes 3216. Um, that sounds like they, they looked into this and that they, there's a law being broken. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, is, um, it raises a lot of questions. It, it, you know, is the law being broken? Or, or the other side, is the law not being broken? And our National Institute of Health has fully and complicitly authorized this process. Like, it's interesting because the dispute isn't over. Are we harvesting aborted baby parts for research? The dispute is over the semantics of the process. And that's what makes this subject just so difficult even to better understand um, and to investigate because there is the larger question of do we hinge our medical improvements on the lives and parts of aborted babies? And, and that's a broader question I think that your listeners really have to, you know, is this an appropriate use of massive amount of federal dollars? Whether the medical progress is is correct in that this is an illegal quid pro quo or Pitt is correct in that this is an appropriate use of NIH funds. The research itself, what's happening is not disputed. And that is the most disturbing part of it in my eyes. And you mean by what's happening that they're, they're taking the scalps from uh, aborted babies and attaching them. I think it's to rabbits what they're doing now. Uh, the backs of rabbits, and then the hair on the scalps is growing as a result of that. I don't know what they're experimenting with there, but uh, that's a little gruesome. Well, it, it is rough, and and whether it was in you know 2018, the article on um, the baby livers, or it's the rats or mice for the hair side, or it's and that study is said to be ended and complete, at least my understanding in listening to representative from Pitt. And, and believe me, the University of Pittsburgh does a lot of great work in the region. The harder question is, does an institution that is receiving millions of dollars, whether it's unauthorized or not, in fetal tissue research dollars, 
is that an appropriate landing point for state funding of post-secondary education? Or do we maybe look at alternate means and direct those dollars maybe to the students themselves who are attending trade schools, community college, PASHI schools, and the University of Pittsburgh? Right now, $154 million going straight to the University of Pittsburgh and exclusively Pittsburgh. And, and I do believe in listening to individuals from Pitt, that money is not crossing over into fetal tissue research. I think the funding of that research is already strong. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenging question. And, and the more you know, the more you realize we have not been given, the state has not been given answers on what is the recruiting process to approach mothers that have made the decision to have an abortion to turn their babies over for this type of research. And, and even how many babies, if we know it's happening, what is the pipeline? And if it is appropriate, that should be transparent, in my opinion. Now, um, when a woman decides to have an abortion, um, does she have control over what happens to the baby parts that are extracted from her? As I understand it, and again, this is an uncomfortable situation, but um, as I understand it, yes, she does. That if the mother elects to give the fetus um, or the fetal remains over to research, she's able to do that. If she says, no, I would rather not do that, it's the mother's choice. Um, and, and that seems to be pretty consistent. I haven't seen any testimony where fetal tissues or fetal parts have been provided without that authorization from the mother. The question itself is just very difficult to be able to deal with. Um, but it, it doesn't seem that there's unauthorized fetal tissue research. It seems that there is authorized fetal tissue research. I don't know who that yeah. makes feel better. Yeah, the, the, but the money is coming from somewhere. Um, we're talking to Eric Nelson. He's a PA state rep for, uh, from the 57th District. Uh, you said that, the, um, that you're, you're at the pro-life caucus, and it's a, it's a bipartisan caucus. So there are Democrats who are unhappy with this, too? Um, there are. The, the pro-life caucus is one of the larger caucuses in the Pennsylvania House, and, and there are members on both sides of the aisle that are, um, you know, participants in the caucus itself. And so um, it's, it's a pretty active caucus, and the Health Committee has done, I think, a, a series of hearings, both in understanding the why behind some people maybe why they may be selecting abortion as their personal choice and also, you know, hey, what are some other alternatives to that? So, um, you know, unfortunately, there's not an easy answer to this. It, I think it is recognized and the University of Pittsburgh will openly state that v- by researching on fetal tissue, they have gained ground in different areas of medicine. And yeah, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's they, a challenge. They could be it's doing an that. appropriate path. Yeah, I mean, there, there, could, there could be a lot of things that you could do that would advance medicine. You could uh, purposely kill somebody and bring their body in and do work on it. You might learn a lot of things, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good idea. I have less than a minute, Eric. Um, uh, so where is this going? What's what happens here? Well, I think, you know, this is probably we're at step two in the process. I think the health committee is going to continue to probe. I think we have a budget coming up. And I think that the University of Pittsburgh can very much appropriately answer some of those questions that came out of the health committee about what is the process? What is the form that mothers complete? How many babies did they research on? And where did they get the babies? If if they're disputing the source that comes from Mr. Delayden, then there is an alternate source. And so what is that source? And who is paying for the supply of that? If it's not the university, is it the FDA? I, I think the citizens of Pennsylvania, they want to better understand this issue, too. 
Hey, Eric, uh, we'll hope to have you on again to get an update on this as this uh, story develops. I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, it's great. I know it's uncomfortable, but I appreciate Hopefully I was able to be as accurate as possible. Very much so. Thank you very much, Eric. That's Thank Eric you, Nelson. John. That's Eric Nelson, PA State Rep, District 57. Right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Democrats warning that if the Supreme Court deals a blow against Roe v. Wade, they'll follow through on their threat to pack the court. Since the high court tipped a majority conservative under former President Trump, Democrats have been speaking openly about adding enough new justices to nullify the conservative edge. Talk of court packing has exploded amid fears the high court may uphold a Mississippi abortion law in a ruling Democrats fear could upend Roe v. Wade. It's far from a done deal. Democrats have yet to muster the full support from their own members that would be needed to pass a law expanding the court. Bob Agner reporting. President Biden sending Secretary of State Blinken to the Mideast to meet with Israeli and Palestinian leaders. The president dispatching Blinken to the region to build on last week's Gaza ceasefire by laying the groundwork for a resumption in long stalled peace talks. On Wall Street, the Dow had 243 points, the Nasdaq up 233 points. This is SRN News. Over 10 years ago, we realized how important saving family memories was, and we wanted to help. Legacy Box started from that passion and has now helped over 850,000 families digitally preserve their film reels, VHS tapes, and photos. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. What started with the two of us in a garage is now over 200 trained professionals. Legacy Box is a safe and secure way to put all your favorite family memories on an easy-to-view digital format like a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. We ship you a sturdy Legacy Box to fill with all your outdated media, safety barcodes to track your items throughout the process, and a prepaid mailing label. Legacy Box has been featured by Good Morning America and The Today Show. Not bad for two kids in a garage. That's true, Nick. And here's the best part. We always wanted to make it affordable to preserve your entire collection. So we're offering 40% off. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to take advantage of this exclusive offer. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40%. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Dr. Sebastian Gorka sees trouble ahead. I've lived in America since 2008. But I've never seen my local gas station with a line outside of it until today. Amazing. Energy independence under the last administration. Gas lines uh, now under Biden. Are you ready? America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. Is it possible to truly love your enemy? Discover the truth behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as never before in the award-winning film Hope in the Holy Land. An enlightening, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides with real stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians who've lived through the years of war in search of peace. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land. Available now at SalemNow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to SalemNow.com today. They say, if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say, What a load of bull hockey! All that saving up and paying off debt, and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk! LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code SMART. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We're looking all stacked up on outbound 28. Really crawling Freeport Road up to 910. A lot of volume there on the Parkway East. It's also seeing some slowing on the inbound side, especially County Jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West, congestion inbound, Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Lincoln Avenue, Bellevue area shut down with sinkhole repair between Mead Avenue and Sprague Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. 
1250, The Answer. Weather. Mild tonight with rather cloudy skies and a low 63. Very warm tomorrow with times of sunshine and clouds. Passing shower in the morning, followed by an afternoon thunderstorm in some spots with a high 87. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low 66. And Wednesday, a thunderstorm around with a high of 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, I guess uh, the pandemic uh, is just about over. Uh, during my weekly uh, walk in Mount Lebanon today, I'd say only about half the people walking around outside were wearing masks instead of the usual 80%, which has always baffled me since this, as long as this has been going on anyway. And now it's all about recovering from what various governments have done to us. Uh, Phil Kirpin is president of American Commitment. He's made a list of all the things that, are, that we're going to be dealing with now, and it's a pretty disturbing one. He joins us now. Phil, thanks for being here again. Hey, great to be with you. So uh, it's a long list. Uh, let's start with energy and gas prices. Uh, I just got gas a little while ago, and I noticed it's uh, well, it's about 40 cents more a gallon than it was a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, energy is one of the things that's really gone up a lot. There are a lot of things that feed into that. Uh, one is just, in general, all of the spending that's weakening the dollar, so we're starting to see inflation. The price of everything is going up, and then you layer on top of that. Uh, you know, getting back in the Paris Climate Agreement, banning oil and gas leasing on federal lands, banning the uh, Keystone XL pipeline, and kind of all of the other anti-energy things that are likely uh, coming from EPA, you know, they're federal bureaucracies, and you've got sort of a, a perfect storm to, you know, get back over $3, as like we've already done in most places, and uh, maybe back over 4 back over 5 you know, maybe for the first time over 5 uh, It's a very disturbing mix of policies uh, for energy affordability right now. Yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily related to the COVID-19 insanity, though, is it? No, I mean, I think, except to the extent that, you know, obviously when there's a lot of driving, uh, you had a decline in demand, and so that was one of the factors uh, that led to lower prices. And so, you know, sort of on top of all the bad policy stuff I just mentioned, you've got the rebound in demand as people are uh, traveling more. And so you've got supply-constrained mm-hmm the dollar softening and demand rising at the same time. So it is one more ingredient uh, in, in the uh, recipe for higher prices, for sure. Now, you, you wrote about secret science at the EPA that will help make fossil fuels more expensive and less available. What's that all about? What's the secret science? Well, you know, one of the things the Trump administration did uh, that was very good is they said you can't regulate uh, without making the science that your regulations are based on uh, available for public review and inspection. Depersonalized, de-identified, of course. But this is a big deal because almost all of the major EPA regulations for the last decade or so have relied on a couple of studies uh, that are totally secret, black box studies uh, that don't really comport with anything else that we know, but they count the what they call co-benefits of reduced particulate matter over and over and over again in these major studies, and then they can justify imposing enormous economic costs. And uh, the Trump administration said, you can't do that anymore. You've got to make the data underlying your studies public. They also did a number of other transparency things, like requiring all guidance documents to be publicly. All of that was reversed uh, by Biden executive order. And so they've gone back to, you can use secret black box science to justify uh, your policies and you can keep your guidance documents secret. And so we're back kind of in the dark in terms of the rationale and the justification for, for a lot of the EPA rules that we're going to be seeing you know, over the next couple of years. And so what is the purpose of that bottom line from the, from the Biden administration standpoint? They they uh, they have made no. They don't want to work. Yeah, they don't want to show their work because they might lose either in public opinion or in the courts, and uh, they'd rather keep their uh, justifications secret, as you know, as was the uh, custom prior to Trump. So they're just kind of going back to the bad old days. And what about the uh, Pro Act? Just enough, enough, uh, uh, just a nice payoff to unions. Yeah, well, this is another one of the really, uh, really scary things on the Biden agenda. This uh, bans all of the state right-to-work laws uh, effectively. It says that you can be required to pay union dues as a condition of employment, even if you're in a right-to-work state. So it sort of guts all the right-to-work laws and, and makes 
uh, forced unionism, uh, the uh, the rule everywhere, uh, along with a lot of other things, like it makes gig work very difficult to do. It would reclassify most gig workers who use, you know, app-based uh, contracting work uh, would become reclassified as as ease and uh, subject to all of the associated rules and regulations and potential uh, unionization as well. And uh, it's got, it undermines private ballot protections for union organizing elections. It's essentially the wish list of everything uh, that the union bosses have ever wanted to try to coerce more people into unions and uh, force them to pay union dues. And and to my mind, that's one of the worst possible things you could do uh, for workers, for employees, because what unions should be doing if they want to get their numbers back up to strength is figuring out how to offer real value to workers where they want to be in unions, not try to rig the rules and get government to uh, let them force people in who really don't want to. And so that's a that's a major negative. That's sort of the centerpiece of the uh, labor agenda of this administration. It's already passed the House, uh, by the way, and so it's uh, right. you know pending at some point uh, for Senate action. We're talking to Phil Kirpin. He's president of American Commitment. Uh, what is card check, Phil? Uh, that's the idea of not doing private ballot elections for whether you want a union or not. Instead, they, they would just do it by how many union cards people sign. And so basically the union organizers could go to everybody's house or walk around in the workplace and say, hey, don't you want the union to sign this card? And they're standing around and you feel pressured and you don't want to stand up to them. And, uh, you know, it's a way they can, you know, sort of without having a private ballot election, they can they can get the outcome they want. Yeah, I've worked at a couple of places where it was required that you join a union. Um, and uh, I will say, just for the, for the record, that uh, I actually benefited greatly from being in a union called AFTRA. And I don't have a problem with it, but um, I do have a problem with having been forced to be in it. There's a difference, isn't there? Well, look, I mean, I think there's no question a lot of people benefit from being in unions, and uh, that that's fine. I think you ought to have that choice. Uh, what I would like to see the unions do, instead of trying to figure out how to coerce more people to join, you know, whether they want to or not, and get right to work laws overturned, what I'd like to see them do is say, we're going to start making unions members only, and we'll just represent the people who want to join, and the other people, you know, they're not going to be protected by our negotiated, uh, you know, wages or procedures or grievances or any of that and let people choose. And, you know, I think if they did that and they did a good job, people would join. They didn't do a good job, they wouldn't. So I'd like to see them go in that direction instead of spending all their time on political organizing. Has COVID-19 made it easier to expand Obamacare and make it less likely that that's ever going to go away? Well, yeah, I mean, they've massively, they massively expanded it in, in a few ways, but the most significant one being uh, that they've lowered the amount of income that people are required to pay before taxpayers uh, sort of kick in and take over. And when you do that, you've got more and more people that are not seeing the real cost. It's being concealed from them. It's still expensive as ever, but, you know, if the customer doesn't see it because it's spread out on people's taxes instead, uh, you really don't get the kind of competition to drive down prices that we were kind of promised when they said it's going to become, you know, it's going to be these wonderful marketplaces and competition and so forth, except, you know, they've sort of set it up to where the customer is just paying a capped percentage of income and, you know, they, they don't care what it really costs because taxpayers are picking up the tab. And uh, that, I think, uh, is, the, is the real reason we never had, you know, well-functioning marketplaces with competition driving down costs. We've seen the opposite. Costs go up dramatically, and obviously that's terrible for taxpayers, uh, but it's also terrible for everyone, everyone really, especially for employers who are trying to keep up with rising premiums and continue to do the right thing and offer coverage to their employees uh, because, of course, uh, they get far smaller subsidies, if any. Uh, and so they end up paying the costs of, of uh, sort of health care premiums continuing to rise out of control. And, you know, one of the things we were promised, John, is, you know, that everyone said, you know, premiums are going to go down this year because almost nobody went to the hospital. Healthcare utilization collapsed other than the people who had COVID. You know, utilization was down massively across the board. So we thought premiums are going to be down a lot. We really haven't seen that. In most places they've been, uh, you know, they didn't rise as much as they had been, but they didn't go down the way we were told uh, they were going to. So somehow the, uh, the insurance companies win no matter what and uh it ends up being unfortunately taxpayers are picking up the tab of course uh, what's going to happen to the availability and cost of drugs now well this is a big one because you know the democrats uh, their solution to everything is to have government take it over and so they're pushing this bill now nancy pelosi is that uh they say the way they're going to lower drug prices this is how it works they say well 
government is going to, quote, negotiate with the drug manufacturer, but the way that the negotiation is like this. Uh, the government decides the price. If the company doesn't like the price, they get taxed 95%. Now, I can only see one of two things happening there. Either they take the government price, which is probably going to be a below-market price, and it undercuts the incentive for R&D and the development of new cures and sort of messes up the whole economics of that industry, you know, that, that wouldn't have developed you know, the treatments and vaccines they did over the past year if they didn't have that reward, that light at the end of the tunnel. Or they say, yeah, we can't make it work at that price, and now the price of drugs doubles because they're getting hit by a 95% tax. So, you know, either you really uh, have a substantial uh, negative effect on the the development, discovery, and bringing to market of new cures and their availability in Medicare, uh, or you raise prices rather than lower them. So I think it's a crazy approach, but um, Pelosi is pushing that. Um, she's run into some trouble, though. She has not, unlike some of the other things we talked about, that one has not had a vote in the House yet. And so they, with that slim majority they have, uh, they may have a challenge of getting that out of the House. But we are talking about Democrats, uh, and that means we should all hold on to our wallets, right? I mean, we're going to get killed on taxes, as you said. And that some yeah, of them well, that's the other big taxes. area. Yeah, the other big area I'm really worried about are just the tax hikes in general, and they've got a lot of them, including this idea of having a second death tax on top of the, uh, you know, the Trump more or less repealed the estate tax. He wasn't able to fully repeal it, but he raised the exemption amount of $10 million. So, I mean, you know, for, you know, almost everyone. That's enough that you're not going to have to deal with that tax. Well, now Biden's coming in and saying, well, we're going to keep the estate tax uh, where it is, but we're going to add a new capital gains tax at death. And, uh, you know, death is going to become a realization event for capital gains. And so if you inherit a piece of property or you, you inherit a business or stock or a farm or you inherit a house, whatever it might be, under this Biden plan, they're going to say, well, you know, how much capital gain was in that? Versus, you know, if the person who died bought it 100 years ago or 50 years ago, it had a basis of, let's say they bought a house in the 70s for 20 grand, you inherit it. The IRS says today it's worth 400000 You've got to pay tax on the difference uh, when you inherit it. And the exemption amount is only $1 million. And so they want to create a new death tax all the way down to $1 million, uh, kind of undoing what Trump did, getting that exemption up to $10 million. And then, of course, you know, they've got all the other you know, tax hikes they want on uh, all kinds of other things, uh, most, most significantly uh, being probably the business tax hikes that they're talking about, which, you know, you could say, well, businesses can afford it. But, of course, you know, if you raise business taxes, a lot of them are going to move back abroad. You know, one of the great things about what Trump did lowering business taxes, a lot of companies came back to the U.S. because we were more competitive. And so uh, the business side of things, which they, they think doesn't have the same political negative impact as raising taxes on individuals, is probably where they're going to focus, John. But that has, you know, pretty substantial negative economic consequences. Yeah, and um, I, I'm, I don't know where you are right now, but where I am, uh, there are help-wanted signs everywhere. I've, I've actually talked to people who have had to either curtail or, or close their businesses because they can't find people to work. Um, is there any end in sight uh, to the unemployment bonuses? I mean, uh, well, we've now some got governors are pushing uh, back. We have 24 states that have now sent the 30 days notice to end the unemployment bonuses. Uh, basically, every single Republican governor, with just three exceptions, uh, Larry Hogan, Charlie Baker, and Phil Scott, the three sort of very liberal Republican governors, are the only exceptions. Uh, the other 24 Republican governors have all sent their 30-day opt-out notice to end unemployment bonuses. Uh, but can you guess how many Democratic governors have done it? Uh, none. Zero. You got it. You got it on the first guess. <laughs> So every single state with a Democratic governor continues to pay a $300 bonus on top of regular weekly unemployment benefits. That's $300 bonus every single week on top of regular unemployment benefits. And that has created, you know, the situation we have. I'm sure you see it every single place you go as a help wanted sign. Every business yeah. owner's working, you know, two, three, four jobs themselves and got their family in there because they just can't fill any positions because uh, people are getting paid more not to work than to work. And, uh, you know, under the current law for states that don't opt out that goes all the way through the first week of september um, but there's even worse news than that which is the democratic chairman of the senate finance committee said he wants to make it permanent what what, I, what does he make want to make permanent 300 more dollars a week for everybody yes. on unemployment forever yes. correct correct why, why would anybody who's gonna how are you gonna find a dishwasher 
If you're well, his theory is you're going to have to pay them. You're going to have to pay your dishwasher $1,000 a week to lure them off unemployment. Uh, I don't think he understands the economics of how you Maybe actually run a business. They've, ne- they've never run a popsicle stand. I'm, I have about a minute left. We're talking to Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. I, I, I'm unfair to, to only give you a minute for this, though. Uh, Phil, you've been covering the COVID-19 thing really greatly for uh, for the whole time it's been going on. i got about 45 seconds. What's going to happen with the uh, Wuhan theory now about whether it was released? Where's that stand? Where's it going to go? A prediction from you? Uh, I think that we are eventually going to find out that the uh, this virus was released accidentally from a lab. Uh, I don't know if it was an engineered virus uh, that was released accidentally or a natural virus that had been collected from a bat that was released accidentally, but they're just too many coincidences, I believe, uh, for it not to have come from that lab. Uh, that said, you know, we don't know yet. Uh, it's hard to know when the Chinese don't let anyone actually investigate. But, you right. know, wh- why would they stonewall the way they have unless they're hiding something? So, you know, I, like, I, I see that as the simplest explanation is it did come out of that lab. Yeah, it's interesting that lots of people are coming around to that now, isn't it, after it's almost over? After denying it for a year and calling us conspiracy theorists. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, Phil. Always good to have you on. Hope to talk to you again. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. Okay, that's Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. We will be right back. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing, as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors, so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine, and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial-strength Genesis 950 mix up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and $10 coupon using code PETS. That's $10 coupon using code PETS. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950, much cheaper than replacing your carpets. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19 related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-in Pest Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest Free. 
Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-In Pest Free goes to work, keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair dinkum. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code INC. That's gopestfree.com, promo code I-N-K. Go pestfree.com promo code INC. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, have you heard the latest about uh, that creep who's running the state of Michigan? That would be Gretchen Whitmer, the governor out there. She uh, apologized yesterday. She, a picture popped up, but she was at a restaurant with 12 other people around a table. Uh, and she had an order on May 15th uh, that came from the State Department of Health and Human Services, an unbelievably stupid order, but it was an order. It said that no more than six people could be seated together, and uh, groups had to be uh, groups of patrons had to be at least six feet apart. So, uh, so these people go, these, these idiots like her, they, they go uh, to a public place, not a public, but go out in public somewhere, and they absolutely violate their own rules and then why would anybody be surprised if somebody took a picture of it but somebody did so she had to explain it so she says throughout the pandemic i've been committed to following public health protocols she doesn't mention here that she flew to florida after telling everybody else they shouldn't fly so did somebody on her staff yesterday i went with friends to a local restaurant as more people arrived the tables were pushed together because we were all vaccinated we didn't stop to think about it in retrospect i should have thought about it i am human i made a mistake and i apologize and she should resign she just she keeps getting caught violating her own stupid rules and this the stupidity of the rule in the first place should be enough to get her impeached but that's another issue but uh and this, she's not done yet. I think she's in office till 2022. So uh, Gretchen, and by the way, today they changed the rule. You don't, they no longer uh, pro, uh, prohibit more than six people at a table. You can have as many people as you want eat dinner with you. What a, what a, what a deal for the people in Michigan. The John Stagerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.